0: Hello, and welcome to UDL in 15 Minutes, where educators discuss their experiences with UDL. I'm Louis Lord Nelson, UDL author and leader. Today, I'm featuring a podcast that is also over at UDL Research in 15 Minutes. Tara Corshane, the Chief Research and Development Officer at CAST, is going to talk about two funded projects at CAST that directly support classroom teachers. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to UDL Research in 15 Minutes, where researchers share their findings about the implementation, impact, and their innovative introspections about UDL framework. I'm Louis Lord Nelson, the UDL author and leader. Today, I'm talking with Tara Cushane, who's the Chief Research and Development Officer at CAST. Today, Dr. Cushane is going to share with us two Office of Special Education Programs, that's OSEP, their funded projects at CAST and some research related to one of them. Hello, Dr. Corshane. How are you? Thank you so much for having me
1: today. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much. Uh, so, can I call you Tara? Yes, please. And should I call you Louie? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great.
0: Great. Uh, so, before we get started talking about CAST, could you tell us a little bit
1: about yourself? You know, how did you come into the field of UDL? Sure. Um, so it was kind of interesting, but really a natural journey. Um, it was never really what I had planned, but I think it's definitely where I'm supposed to be. Uh, I started working with kids as a swim coach and quickly found that everyone learns a little bit differently and requires different supports or entry points for access, engagement, and motivation. I even learned cute speech to communicate with a swimmer who was deaf. And as a sister of someone with a disability who grew up in an institution, I was always interested in finding new ways to support communication, understanding, and belonging. In college, that included using the LOVAS method with a little boy who was diagnosed with autism and using total physical response to teach students English in Costa Rica. Something I took with me from my undergraduate research was that kids have to be affectively available to learn and often they face significant obstacles and barriers before they even walk into a classroom. After college, I became a Head Start teacher and worked with many English language learners and children at risk for disabilities. They learned through play, music, and exploration. And my goal was always to keep them excited about new experiences. It was then that I decided to pursue my master's in bilingual special education, and I moved on to work with preschool students with disabilities. Jumping ahead, In 2008, I decided to pursue my doctorate. My dissertation work was focused on whether the response to intervention framework was effective for culturally and linguistically diverse students with disabilities. But my biggest takeaways was that it tied really closely with some of the core tenets of universal design for learning. We cannot wait for children to fail before providing them with the supports that they need. My doctoral work led me to the George Washington University to serve as an adjunct professor and program coordinator in the bilingual special education program, and then on to serve as a project officer for discretionary grants in the Office of Special Education Programs. I learned about the Universal Design for Framework during my time as a master's and doctoral student, but my first opportunity to work closely with CAST was at OSEP when I became committed to meeting the accessibility and learning needs of all students by intentionally designing for students on the margins. When the position for Chief Chief Research and Development Officer became available, I was honored to be offered the position. I am fully invested in doing everything I can to support improved learner outcomes using the Universal Design for Learning framework through efforts at CAST and beyond. And I am thrilled that I get to highlight these two centers today. I think accessibility is the baseline of a universally designed framework, it cannot sit as an afterthought or a separate goal. If instruction and technology is not designed to be accessible from the start, then it cannot possibly reduce the barriers and roadblocks. Roadblocks we're trying so hard to overcome. However, accessibility in itself is not sufficient, and accessible materials and technologies are not a means to them, the end in themselves. Nice, nice.
0: Well. Thank you. That's a great <laughs> overview. You you have had a journey, <laughs> and it's really that you can see how everything has informed and led you to where you are. So um, I'm excited that you are where you are, and all of that's going to influence your work there at CAST. I think everybody's going to benefit from that. Thank yeah. you. Um, so let's get started with the AIM Center. So, that was uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with that acronym, so AIM stands for Accessible Educational Materials. So, I know that CAST has supported the AIM Center for a long time, uh, but what's been AIM Center's evolution
1: and how does it currently support educators? Hey, well, the National AIM Center has actually been providing TA to state since 2007. Uh, the center was originally funded in response to the 2004 reauthorization of the Individuals with Disabilities Act and the call for instructional materials to be accessible for students who are visually impaired. But since that time, the AIM Center, originally designed to support TA around the new IDEA requirements, has changed and grown as learning materials shifted from primarily print-based books to digital learning materials and tools. So since the inception of the AIM Center, they've provided intensive TA to 29 separate states with seven in their current cohort. The AIM Center makes universal TA available through their website aem.cast.org to all interested stakeholders.
0: Yeah, so that website is so well-organized and anyone who's going to go to it is going to find what they need. Uh, I've just spent the last three days working on uh, creating EPUBs and although I did have to uh, contact Louise Perez a couple of times <laughs> with some additional questions, you know, I watched three of the webinars and it totally set me up for what I needed to do, what I needed to know, what were the right things to download. So I wasn't off in some internet land. It was just, it was really, really valuable. So um, I've been all over the AIM Center website, but for people who haven't been there before, what are one or two
1: sections that you would recommend? Sure. So uh, we recently published a four part video series on accessible learning across the lifespan. Um, In addition, we have our own podcast, uh, which is called the Accessible Learning Experience. And we started those episodes back in October of 2021. Um, On the site, you can also find an online series learning series that can help you select, create and acquire accessible learning materials and technologies and how to design materials and resources that are perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust, which we fondly call poor. Uh, So while the primary recipients of the intensive AIM Center TA are state education agencies supporting K-12 learning, the current center has expanded to support early childhood, institutes of higher education, and workforce development. And and you can learn more by checking out the AIM website and reviewing the AIM quality indicators for the provision of accessible educational materials and technologies. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know what? I'm going to just stick in here. We hadn't even talked about this, but um, I, I think people, I think people get stuck kind of thinking. Um, accessible materials, reading, right? But there's stuff, there's math stuff in there. I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot of things that are discussed around accessibility around several areas. So I encourage people to go uh, to that website. Uh, So then, okay, let's move to CITES, C-I-T-E-S. That's Mm -hmm. the Center on Inclusive Technology and Education Systems. So again, a lovely and accessible site, Uh, but there's a lot packed in there. So what would you highlight there?
1: (laughs) Sure. So first of all, CAST was so excited when the request for proposals was published in the spring of 2018, because it was such a great opportunity to extend, build on, and learn from some of the great work the AIM Center was doing at the state level. Mm -hmm. And now they had an opportunity to apply it at the district level. So sites was funded with the goal of strengthening collaboration, communication, and efforts between assistive technology, educational technology, and information or infrastructure technology teams at the district level. So sites developed a phased implementation that began with knowledge development, followed by an iterative framework development process with the goal of scaling and disseminating the framework universally. So the site's website is designed to help districts implement the framework, which is broken up into five buckets. Those are leadership, infrastructure, teaching, learning, and assessment. The buckets are loosely based on the topics found in the National Education Technology Plan. And when the framework is implemented successfully, all child learning needs are considered in the design of instruction and the procurement or creation of materials.
0: Nice. So, okay, let's talk about the research part since this is a UDL research <laughs> in 15 minutes. <laughs> so, could you describe some of the current research that's going on related to sites?
1: Absolutely. And I am really excited to share about that research um, that's going on. So, when COVID hit, sites was just starting into its second year of the project. And we really had to pivot quickly to consider and respond to the needs of students and children who are re- learning remotely. Uh, OSEP saw this as an opportunity to learn more about instruction in virtual schools and some of the practices that were in place for students with disabilities. Um, So the sites conducted hour-long interviews with administrators from five different virtual schools. Um, All five of the sites were virtual public schools or virtual public charter schools. Um, I was a member of the three-person coding team that helped to look at the themes across the five sites. Uh, so, before we started the coding process, we had sort of pre-selected some codes that we thought would work um, based on the primary themes of the Aim Center, I'm um, sorry, of the Site Center and the sites Framework. Um, however, once we began reviewing the interviews, we really quickly realized we needed to add an additional code, and that code was UDL. Mm-hmm. So, there were a few things that struck us as we looked at the schools that were doing the best job with instruction for all students, including students with disabilities. And the number one item in our initial analysis was flexibility. The staff at those sites were committed, passionate, and intentional, intentional being really key, about providing learners with flexible ways to access instruction. And then some of the other themes that we saw at those sites were great leadership, professional development, streamlined technology. They would have single log-ons. They would have courses that could run hybrid and in-person at the same time. Um, Strong communication, both with staff and families, family engagement was critical. Um, Hybrid models of instruction, so students could learn online or in person sometimes. There were different opportunities. There was an awareness of the IEP students who had IEPs and their assistive technology needs, and they were put in place. And then there was real intentionality about content and curriculum development. A lot of the schools or a few of the schools actually did train their teachers and did the content development on their own. Um, And so one member of our team is currently working to compile a summary of the results. Um, But I really wanted to highlight a few of the strengths. Um, The full report will include both strengths and continued barriers for meeting the needs of all students, and we are really excited for it to publish in the next few months. Awesome. Um, So now that we've kind
0: of, we have got the appetite for folks. So when something like this is published, is that out for the public? Are we talking about published publication
1: within research journals? What are we talking about here? So in this particular case, it it will start out just as something that's published publicly on our um, site's website, Mm -hmm. um, and it will be, I'm sure, made available through CAST. Um, and then depending, it may be something we, we put in for submission in a research journal, or we may um, use the information to share at a conference presentation, because um, we really do want to highlight some of the things that other schools could use to be able to create a more universally designed framework and really be responsive to the needs of all students. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we've said it yet. The website for sites is that? It is sites.cast.org. Okay, that's just like awesome. the AIM Center. One. AIM yep. excited. <laughs> very, very easy.
0: Very nice. Well, this has been a fabulous conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, is there other research that you wanted to tap on? Or was this that was the main one that we were going to talk about today, right? That was the main one for today. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, But I think other people, uh, other people, I think people are always interested in kind of that bigger picture of CAST. So there is a research tab on the CAST website, correct? And people can just tap on that. And um, what would you say? Not like specific content, but what kind of things are people going to see? What kind of information are they going to get?
1: So um, they would learn about some of the different CAST projects that are going on and some of the research that occurred through those projects. For example, I know um, one on a project called Snoodle, which is a science notebook tool that um, helps students to access science and organize their science um, through that technology. And they recently uh, published to show how that tool was helpful in supporting universal design. And so that would be one example of something you might find there. Yeah. And then if, if anybody listening is like,
0: well, we want to participate in something with CAST because they do good things and their research is really organized, and we're trying to sell it here. <laughs> How would they do that? How would they become part of, you know, if they were an eligible group, that kind of thing?
1: We would love for them to reach out. Um, there, I believe on the main site, there's places um, for that, but also I know directly through our centers. Uh, I know the AIM Center cites uh, Sizzle, which is another one of our centers, asks for interest. Um, and they can always email me as well, and I would be happy to uh, make that connection because we are always looking for people to work with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, we all need to. It's that educator-researcher marriage, right? We want to support Absolutely. that. That's the only way that research can be beneficial to the field is if we have more educators participate than and I think that really research has evolved. Gosh, it's evolved in my life. Um, I think it's, it, it is more beneficial to teachers. It used to be you know, the drop-in model, and now it's the collaborative model. And that's everything that I see from CAST is always the collaborative model. So I would really hope that people would say, yes, we want to participate.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of co-design work, and we're really committed right now to figuring out the why, so that teachers know why they should use universal design framework and how it's gonna support student outcomes, so. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I really appreciate this conversation today, Tara. Thank you so much. Thank you, this was great. And I really um, was thrilled with this opportunity. Oh, well, you're very welcome. So I have my little outro statement here that I'm gonna read.
0: So people know that, but for those listening to this podcast, you can find supplemental materials like a recorded video of this interview with closed captioning and a transcript at my website, which is the forward slash podcasts, the citation for the articles we discussed as well as any other reference can be found below the video representation of this podcast on my UDL Research in 15 Minutes YouTube channel. Finally, if you're a UDL researcher or know of UDL research you'd like to hear about, contact me through my website, theudlapproach.com. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks to everyone for your work in revolutionizing education through UDL and making it our goal to develop expert learners.